Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dog Backwards. This is your host, Caleb Moore, and we're going to look at life, faith, and theology from a different angle. If I sound a little congested, it's because Oklahoma trees are trying to murder me. But that's okay, I didn't want to delay putting out another podcast any longer. In fact, I've recorded two that I basically just put in the recycle bin because I didn't want to release them. One was another one regarding race issues in America, and the other one was abortion. And these are two highly contested conversations. A, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir on those subjects. These are things you already have strong opinions about, and I'm not likely to change anything that you believe in uh, the course of that dialogue. So I just don't, hey, plus I wasn't really passionate about it. There are things I'm interested in, but I'm not really interested in preaching to the choir. So what I wanted to do is since my audience is predominantly Christians and people who believe in Jesus, I wanted to give you uh, something that I think is interesting. I want to respond to a different debate. So I listen to lots of debates. I have some debates coming up. Uh, I have a, another atheist coming on. Uh, hopefully going to have some Mormons come on as well again. And we've got several things in the works, including one of my favorite scholars has agreed to be on the podcast. So look forward to that in October. But today we're going to look at Dan Barker, who's one of the most well-known atheists. He's written a lot of books. He was a former evangelical. He says he was a former preacher, but really he was a music minister. And I'm not knocking music ministers, but the music ministers I've known have not been the most solid theological thinkers because that's not what they're doing all day, right? So those who spend their days as professors in theology and things like that tend to have a better grasp. From what I can tell about Dan Barker, he was a fundamentalist and thought like a fundamentalist and still thinks like a fundamentalist Christian, where it's do as I say and don't ask the hard questions, right? So in this conversation, this is from the Unbelievable Podcast. I highly recommend listening to it. Uh, the, all, their, all their episodes are great. They always have good conversations between Christians and sometimes Christians and atheists, Christians and Muslims. So if that's not in your repertoire of podcast, it needs to be. But Dan Barker is going to make the case that free will does not exist. So let me play our intro music and then we'll get right into this because I think you will find this fascinating and it's a really good inside look at how atheists think and how they can't even see the contradictions in their own statements. So let's get started. So this first part is just Dan introducing himself, and I'm not going to do a bunch of cut-ins, cutaways. I'm, I'm going to let him talk for a second, and I'll fast forward to his most extreme things that he says because it's a long podcast. We don't have time to dissect everything he says, but I promise I won't be taking things out of context. But I want you to know who he is and kind of what his background is and hear his presentation about his case. The Freedom From Religion Foundation is a national organization in the United States of free thinkers. That's kind of an umbrella, friendly umbrella term to cover atheists, agnostics, secular humanists, igtheists, uh, all sorts of labels. We don't care what people call themselves. We work to keep religion and government separate. Uh, and in that fight, we are often joined by religious people who agree with us. So we're not uh, exclusively an atheist organization, although most of our members would call themselves atheists. We also exist to educate the public about the views of non-theists.
lobbyists. We have 10 full-time attorneys. We have a growing staff. We have a national newspaper, national radio show, national TV show. We publish books and, and so on. And uh, we are almost at 33,000 members wow. nationwide. So already we've heard him say that he's a part of the Freedom of Religion Foundation, and it's a group of free thinkers. Now, both free thinkers, freedom from religion, but yet he's going to write a book where free will is an illusion and there is no such thing as free will. You are predetermined by your DNA and genetics and nature and all that to make every decision. So for somebody who believes that, it's interesting to say, but we're also free thinkers. So there's a contradiction going on already, and this is just going to get worse as he goes on. Right. There you go. And and that is the book that, that came out, um, Free Will Explained. I mean, it, it's, it's a fairly bold title. You know, people have been trying to explain free will for a long time. Uh, and you, you say you have explained it and you come to an interesting conclusion, which is that, no, it doesn't exist, but we should embrace the illusion that we do have free choice. Now, first of all, I, I want to just hear a little bit from you on, on why you believe that science and philosophy do tell us that there's no such thing as free will, because a lot of people might sort of say, well, how, how do you know that, Dan, to start with? We'll have to get the short, short version of this, but, but, but give us your, your, your praise of, of that. So that was not my first title. My original title was Make Up Your Mind, but the publisher wanted a title that explained the book. And so I gave a compliment to Daniel Dennett and I told him so. Uh, and uh, the, he wrote a book called Consciousness Explained, which I think is pretty bold. And some people think he'd failed. And so I thought, well, okay, let me, let me at least <laughs> borrow that. But uh, on the one hand, scientists who don't agree by the way scientists don't agree about free will there are some scientists who think we do have a free will even a libertarian a natural mm. libertarian not supernatural uh, philosophers don't agree uh, you get two philosophers in the room they're not going to agree on much of anything theologians don't agree nobody agrees about free will martin luther and aquinas disagree and so here we have scientists telling us that our brains are the result of previous materialistic cause and effect. Everything that happens to us happened because of the laws of nature leading up to this moment when we make our choice. And there are some experiments and some surveys that seem to indicate that indeed, many of our decisions are made before we are even consciously aware of them. There's debate about those. But in any event, most scientists <clears throat> tend to lead towards strict determinism, meaning that we could not have done otherwise from what we did. We are the products of nature. We can't rise above cause and effect to violate natural law. We can't do that. Uh, some I, philosophers though, most philosophers lean toward what you would call compatibilism. Some philosophers uh, think we should indeed embrace the word free will. Now you mentioned Sam Harris and Daniel Dennett. They agree that free will is an illusion, but they differ in that Sam Harris thinks it's a pernicious illusion. We should get rid of it. We should not even use the word free will. Philosophers like Dan Dennett say, well, yeah, it's an illusion. We don't have it. Science, science shows that we don't have what we would call libertarian free will, but it's a beautiful, useful illusion. And that's where I fall on that debate. So are you tracking with this so far? He says that free will is a helpful illusion, that it's a myth, that it's not true, but it's helpful. And he mentioned several other atheists. Uh, probably the most prominent atheist alive right now is a gentleman by the name of Sam Harris. And Sam Harris is a strict determinist meaning that he believes there is no such thing as free will. And I always find it fascinating that these people who reject the idea of free will, A, they've thought about this idea a lot. They choose to write books about it. They go on TV and they talk about it. They do TED Talks about why there is no free will. But all the things they're doing, they are saying 
well, I had no choice but to do this. So my book, my lecture, my podcast, my TED talk on free will, I could not choose to do otherwise. My DNA just makes me do it. But yet in the same breath, they are also trying to talk people out of a belief in God. So if they believe truly, and this is why I think nobody actually believes this. I think the idea of saying that free will is an illusion, I treat this on the same level as I would treat somebody that says the earth is flat. They're only saying it and they're only talking about it because it makes them feel special to believe that they have the intellectual integrity to accept things that the rest of the small, feeble-minded people can't believe. And even though it seems outrageous, well, they're brave thought warriors to accept the fact that they don't choose what they're going to eat. They don't choose who they're going to marry. They don't choose any of this. They believe everything, and this is what happens. So if you remove God from the equation... You, there is no free will, right? Because then you are just random actions, neurons firing in your brain. You, you, there's just thoughts are nothing more than a chemical reaction, no different than the chemical reaction that happens when you eat certain foods and gas begins to build up in your intestinal system. And every now and then you excrete that gas through a, a stinky noise out of your, you know what I'm saying. So it, it's like a literal, a literal brain fart is all that your thoughts are. This is the absurdity that atheism has been reduced to. If you say there is only the natural world, then you can't help but say, well, there is no such thing as free will. There, there's no other option. And so all these atheists are eventually, after they, all the arguments against Christianity have been used and they have to present their own worldview, they come up with this, that free will is merely an illusion. But but I thought he was free thinkers trying to help people think freely. And let's keep going. Um, we live our lives with many what you might call emergent properties or qualities, things that don't exist in the scientific realm, things like baseball and marriage. Marriage is not a scientific fact. It's a social fact. I think free will is not a scientific truth. I think free will is a social truth. It's something that we all assent to as social tribal human beings um, and there are many illusions that we even know are illusions in our lives we admit it and yet we embrace it for example the illusion of depth perception and i have a whole chapter about that depth perception actually doesn't doesn't really exist you're seeing two different trees but your brain melds it into one and then you see this beautiful wow it's amazing if you don't have depth perception you, know, you don't know how beautiful it is we know it's an illusion we know it's a trick of the brain it's a very be useful beautiful survival trick of the brain that we embrace this illusion which helps us navigate through the world i think free will as a social illusion is a very useful moral roadmap if you will it helps us navigate through our social tribal field it's not a real thing it doesn't exist in reality you can't prove it scientifically but it is one of those properties that emerges not in an individual necessarily but in the group because we evolved as social animals thank so here is going to be what he repeats over and over and over again, that it's a social construct. And so he compares free will, the ability for you to make a choice. Or if, if you could repeat today, and I said, hey, maybe have Lucky Charms instead of Cheerios, you would be unable to change what you were going to do. So whatever you had for breakfast, you feel like you chose that for breakfast, but 
according to what these popular atheists are saying and the, the philosophy that they're putting out there is that it only seems like you could choose. You really had to have Cheerios. That was the only possible outcome. Whatever you do is the only possible way that you could react. Now, I don't think the comparison to depth perception is very good. It's what we would call a category error because depth perception is real and he explained it. So it's not a trick of the brain. It is a mechanism of the brain. You have two eyeballs, so you have a greater field of view, so you can see further to the left and further to the right instead of just one eyeball in the middle, right? So you, it's like a pigeon can see its head and its butt at the same time because its eyes are so far apart, but they still have depth perception. So it's not an illusion. It's a mechanism. It's a way your brain does these things. And... Um, even if your brain didn't do it, the reality of the depth of the world is still there. So it's not an illusion if depth itself, like this tree, is further ahead of the other tree. That's depth, right? Uh, on the plane of a geographical plane, if one is in front of the other and the other one's behind, it has depth to the picture. When you're in art school and they teach you how to draw 3D buildings, you draw in such a way to create the illusion of depth. But there is no real depth because it's on a flat plane. Well, we do not live on a flat two-dimensional world. So depth is real. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to make this leap to say, oh, like just the way your eyes trick the brain, we've created this social construct. And they would say morality is a social construct. Now, he points out real social constructs like baseball. Baseball is something that we've created to have fun. It's a game. There are certain moral social constructs, but there are, all ab there are also absolute moral values. And so I, I think it's a category error, and he's, it's kind of a quick sleight of hand to just simply call an illusion. But I, I think you can start to see where he's going to go with this. It's a social invention because it's helpful. That means that if somebody lived on an island uh, all by himself, dropped off as a baby, you know, was somehow miraculously able to survive and just grew up all alone, that he would have no idea of free will and would never think about making choices because he would not need to create that social construct. And we know this not, I mean, I say we know this not to be true. Um, it is so self-evident that you chose to click play on this podcast that to even consider it seems... I don't know, boring? Because these conversations have become boring. There's a reason I don't do atheist debates much anymore. Uh, the upcoming atheist conversation I have is trying to talk to somebody about why they left because often all these intellectual reasons have been given. But usually at the core, I find it's because they had a bad religious experience. When I talk to atheists and I say, so why'd you leave Christianity? Well, I grew up fundamentalist and then I read these books. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. So you're saying the books, when I'm all I hear is you grew up in a bad religious environment where I grew up Catholic. And you'd be surprised. Most atheists, most former Christians who become atheists fall into one of two categories. And this is just from my personal experience. It's not a blanket statement. It doesn't apply to everybody. They either grew up in a fundamentalist, religious, strict, strict Southern Baptist environment, or they were Catholic. And if I grew up Catholic and strict, strict fundamentalist, I probably never would come back either. Because bad theology is damaging. Let's keep going. Jerry Coyne, the scientist who is a strict determinist, 
he disagrees with me about the illusion of free will. He agrees with Sam Harris that this whole idea, this whole illusion of free will contributes to retributive justice, contributes toward the promotion of the death penalty, for example. We need to punish those people because they were, they could have done otherwise, they should have known better. Bad little boy, you should, you should do better next time. And so that if we could get rid of the idea of free will, he says, then we could just treat each other more rationally. We would have a, a, a more, and I agree with treating people more rationally. I agree that, that we should have a system of justice that judges the individual as morally culpable, immediately culpable, if not cosmically culpable, because it was out of, out of that person's control in the big picture, but in the immediate picture, they were culpable. And doing so, our goal as a moral society is not to punish that person. It's not to make them feel like a bad little boy. It's our goal is to protect ourselves from individuals who would commit such a crime. Try to make sure as much as possible that that doesn't happen again. I think that's the whole goal of morality is to try to minimize the kind of harm caused for whatever reason. So in this section, they're, they're having a discussion about one of the wrong. difficulties with not believing that there's free will. Then what does that do with your justice system? If somebody robs a bank, we put them on trial and we hold them accountable for their actions because they chose to do something evil. Well, a determinist like Dawkins um, has to come up with some kind of new framework because he doesn't really believe that person is responsible. One of the examples he gives in this conversation, well, there are some people who have tumors on their brain that make them angry or violent. And though they do these horrible actions, is it them that's doing it or is it the tumor? Well, this is, of course, the exception to the rule. So we never make a rule based upon the exception because that is real people who have brain tumors or um, some kind of deformity in their mind, it can activate or put different stresses on areas of the brain that cause them to not function normally. Of course, normalcy, if there is determinism, is not a real thing. There is no normalcy. We are all just different chemical reactions. And we can't say the way the violent person responds is bad compared to the nonviolent person. There is not good or bad, there's just different chemical reactions inside the brain. But he, of course, still wants to maintain some kind of morality, so he's going to find the group of people whose brains uh, chemically function in a similar way that his does, and he's going to try to protect himself from those whose brains differ from his own, which is seems like a, a form of intellectual classism, right? It's, it's segregation of mental capacity, and that would seem wrong in itself. But anyway, so if there is no free will, then how do you logically hold people accountable for their actions? Why would you even try to convince somebody who's a Christian not to be a Christian if they cannot help but choose to be Christian? And you'll notice if you just listen carefully, and this is, this is kind of my goal in doing this whole um, listening to the podcast and responding a little bit is so that you might learn to pick up on the things I've listened when I mow the yard, when I do any kind of work, I'm listening to debates. So I listen very carefully and I want you to begin to pick up on some of the verbal cues that I hear and it might help you to think a little bit more clearly and not be so afraid of what an atheist is saying. So he says, we should, we should, we should, we should do this. Our justice system should look like this. But the entire concept of we should do this is dependent upon whether or not we have free will. So he's like, we should treat people this way. But we can't. We can't do anything other than what we are programmed 
to be doing. Doug Wilson, one of my favorite uh, Christian pastors and philosophers, he talks about it this way, and it's an example I use all the time. If you had a bottle of Mountain Dew and a bottle of Dr. Pepper, and you shook them both up, and you took the lids off at the same time, what's going to happen? Well, they're just going to fizz. There are chemical reactions interacting with their environment. They have no choice but to fizz. We would never say this one's telling the truth and this one's lying. We would just say this is what happens to those contents under pressure in that environment. Well, this is what Dan Barker and atheists say about you. They say that you are nothing more than chemicals fizzing. To me, this is so self obviously false. I, I, I don't know what I, I don't know. I always try to pretend to have a vocabulary bigger than what I actually have. So I'm like racing my brain. What's the big word for that? I don't know. But this is so obviously false. It's, it's an, a shared experience that we all have. And we would all agree that I can choose to hit you or not hit you. I can choose to eat at this time or not eat. And there are times that my body is telling me that I'm hungry and I can ignore that. I can choose not to eat. Even though the chemicals within my body are saying, feed me, I can go, no, I don't want to. I even have an imagination. So I can even think of things that are impossible for me to do. I can think about flying. I can imagine it. Now, I can't actually fly. I can't make it happen. But if I go, you know what, I want to think about this. I can think about it. Now, what Dan is saying is you had no choice but to do everything that you were doing. So the husband who beats his wife, well, woman, you should stay with him because he has no choice but to do that. And people who are drug addicts, literally no choice. They can, we say, hey, you should get help. Why? That's how their chemical, that's, that's just their chemical reaction inside their brain. It's, it just reduces itself to such absurdity. And the only reason I'm posting this other one I just told you is because I just wish the Christian who is engaging him would go, wait a minute, this is crazy. This is crazy talk. It, it does feel a little bit like you want to have your cake and eat it in the sense that you, you acknowledge that we're basically believing a lie in order to kind of get along better socially, that, that there's a kind of social utility to this. It's the usefulness of it. Um, but I, many atheists I meet are all about, no, tell me the truth. I don't want to have the sugar-coated, you know, fairy tale, please. Um, that's what the religious believe in. It almost sounds like you're saying, no, actually, sometimes we do need the sugar-coated sort of fairy tale version of, of reality to, just to get by that. So an illusion is an untruth, but an illusion is not a lie. We know that when we look around the world with depth perception, we, we know it's not actually real. We know it's an illusion that our brain creates, and yet we embrace that, and we don't call that a lie. We're not saying we're lying to ourselves. So... I know that's kind of a poor analogy, but if you can think about free will as an illusion of the brain, when we're judging other people's actions, that they are free and that we are free, we're not lying to ourselves. We're admitting that everything is strictly deterministic. We are admitting that, we're agreeing with that, but that as a socially evolved species, we do act as if marriage actually meant something. Uh, for example, scientists will tell you there's no such thing as race. Race is a meaningless concept, but society will tell you race is extremely important. Racism is extremely important. So you can't tell someone who's suffering from racism that race is no, there's no scientific race. We do know what racism means in a social structure. 
We don't know what it means in a scientific structure. There are many things that emerge in the group that don't exist in science. So I, to say that the illusions that we have are useful and beautiful is not to say we're lying to ourselves. I can admit that my depth perception is actually wrong. It's, it's something my brain is creating out of two different eyes coming to two different parts of the brain. I can also admit that I don't have free will. And yet that illusion that I have, that we do have free will is very precious. I think it's one of the main reasons that give meaning to our human existence. So a couple of thoughts about what he just said. Um, a, here we have the social construct conversation. Again, we have the uh, illusion talk and how it's not really a lie. It's interesting that atheists often, including Dan Barker, people like uh, will say that Christians or people of faith, they just hold on to this God because it makes them feel good, uh, but it's not real and they should be exposed for the liars that they are of trying to hold on to something that just makes them feel good. And then <laughs> later on, he writes a book about how we should hold on to free will, even though it's not real because it makes us feel good. And then he says, this, oh, it's one of the great things that uh, give life meaning. Well, look, if everything's determined, life has no meaning. Any idea about what meaning life should have is not something you thought of or you searched out in your soul or you tried to figure out. You had no choice but to think that way. And so the, the biggest contradiction in all of this, and he doesn't, the, the opponent doesn't address until the very end, he just lets it slide. All of these things he's saying, you have to remember on the other hand, he's saying, but I have no choice but to say these things. So if you have no choice, then you're not actually saying anything that's truthful. You're just a chemical reaction interacting with your environment. Braxton Hunter, the gentleman he's having a conversation with, picks up on this very thing and I, I don't want to mock him, but you can hear him kind of go, uh, 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 when he exposes this. So uh, I, I want you to hear, it's not that Braxton did a terrible job. I just wish he would have been a little bit more aggressive because we know how aggressive atheists can be. We know how damaging some of this stuff is. So I wish he would have been a little less timid, but uh, so here's a clip of him responding as well. Okay, right there. I'm sorry, Justin, but, but that is a very important feature. I agree with you 100%. And as I was reading that, I thought, okay, well, I don't, I don't think you'll like this term any more than lie. But, I, but you just bear with me here. Perhaps a convention like this is a pretense. We're pretending as though uh, it's as if. I mean, that sounds like we're saying we're pretending that this is true. And to say that it's one of the most meaningful parts of being human but we're just pretending because it makes us feel good or makes society function better. Sounds more like what atheists typically say to Christian folk. Uh, well, it's, which, not pretending, which was, it's not pretending out of, you know, out of nothing. It's a part of who we are as evolved creatures. We are social animals that have parts of our brains that are wired because we are social animals. And as a group, we have these things. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sean Carroll, so I noted this in my conversation with uh, Seth Andrews that Christians often use the God of the gaps where you just got to have more faith when they don't have an answer to something and uh, it's overused and it doesn't have much explanatory power, but it's a way to kind of be like, uh, uh, well, you know, God can do anything. And so sometimes we throw that out there when we don't know what to say. Atheists have the same thing. Their version is social construct. They just say, well, social construct, social construct explains everything because if science can't explain it, then they're just like, well, it has to be a social construct. So things like love, marriage, morality, it, mathematics, right? You know that science can't prove math because these numbers that we use, they're immaterial. 
they don't exist in time and space. So uh, philosophy, science cannot say anything about philosophy. Science can tell you how to build a bomb, but it can't tell you whether or not you should use it because science doesn't care about morality. For these people, science is a religion and it explains everything. And their God of the gaps, their version of that is social construct. Social constructs. You hear that over and over and over again. Now, let me let me put this to you, Dan, and, and just see what your response is, and, and then maybe Braxton can comment. Um, here, here's a thought experiment. Okay, if if all our thoughts and beliefs, in fact, your the very book you've written and, and all your thoughts about free will, if they are all the end result of a deterministic process, well, in what sense can it be said that we are rational in holding those beliefs? So, for instance, if Braxton ultimately had no choice but to be a Christian because of his past history and all the causal effects that came to the point where Braxton calls himself a Christian, and if you're an atheist and all of your history simply inevitably makes you an atheist, um, something you didn't really have any choice over because we've got no free will here, it's all a deterministic process, well, doesn't that make a mockery of the idea, as I often hear from, from, well, both Christians and atheists, that we want to believe things because we've got good reasons to. But if we simply believe what we believe because our deterministic universe handed those beliefs down to us in a sort of inexorable way, it seems like reason goes out the window, rationality goes out the window. Um, so, so how do you weave, how, how do we call ourselves rational, evidentially based people if actually everything we think and believe came to us by a completely non-rational process, i.e. this, the frankly, just atoms swerving in the void in the universe, that, that is the way in which we got our beliefs, not through some reasoning, freely chosen, believing in something because it seems like the best way in which the evidence points and so on. So just be interested in your, in your overall response to, to that problem that I, I personally think that free that, that determinism presents to, to, to reason. So here we have Justin, the host. He is bringing up the point that I wish would have been brought up at the beginning because this is one of those subjects where they get very academic and very intellectual and they're quoting all these people and you're like, wow, these guys are really smart. But the most basic question is, is like, hey, if everything is predetermined, then your idea that things are predetermined is predetermined too, which means you didn't use reason logic uh, to come to that conclusion. You talk about evidence, but evidence doesn't matter because no matter what the material world shows you, you are predetermined to come to a certain conclusion regardless of the evidence. So everything you're saying is self-contradictory on the highest level. Like it literally makes no sense. And finally, towards the end of this podcast, they're like, hey, um, by the way, you've just gotten rid of reason, logic, and everything. You've talked about science. You talk about social construct. You talk about all this stuff, but it makes no sense. There's no point to it. So why are you even mentioning it? And I love that they finally got here. Now, this scientism. So if you get, if you get, if you get rid of God, I said this before, love, morality, logic and reasoning they don't exist you're nothing more than advanced chemical reactions interacting with your environment say i have a computer in front of me here and there are programs and those programs can only do certain things and i can only hit certain keys if i hit those keys the program is going to respond a certain way 
Now, if there is no God, then you are a computer. Your body is the shell. Your brain and your DNA and all the things that make up you, they're the program and your environment's the input. And so if a cat walks in front of you, the way you respond to that cat is pre-programmed into your body. You can't choose whether to hug it or kick it, right? You have no choice. You can only do what you want to do. You are pre-programmed for everything. Dan Barker is saying that he is a machine, but yet he is a machine trying to sell you something to convince you of his truth that we're all machines and we can't decide. So this isn't about truth. I have a really hard time thinking that he is actually looking for truth. I think he's looking for book sales. I think that he has to have some neat approach. His whole, there is no God thing. Look, uh, after uh, Christopher Hitchens died, he was part of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, that was the name given to the new atheist, right? Dan Barker's one of them. Sam Harris is another one. Uh, people aren't listening anymore, especially as Sam Harris and Dan Barker have all come out as, yeah, we're actually determinists. We're consistent with an atheist worldview. Everything is predetermined. Nothing has no meaning. Nothing has no real value. Th there is no morality. We are just chemical reactions and in interact with our environment people started to turn this off because I think we know that not to be true. Now, I'm not a science guy. I, I can't sit here and go, well, you know, there is a delay between the decision to move your hand and the ability to move your hand, and there's actually a thought before somewhere happens. I don't know any of that stuff, right? I'm not going to pretend to know any of that stuff. But here's what I do know, and I think you would know it too. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you chose to listen to this. You could have chosen not to. Some of you are like, I wish I would have chosen not to. But you at least made that choice. And atheism is at this point of desperation, but it's masquerading as some kind of intellectual high horse, ivory tower, academia, you know, Trojan horse, trying to say all these fancy things like all the science agrees with me that there is no free will. Well, then those scientists had no choice but to think that. And then the scientists who disagree, they had no choice to think that as well either. Because there are scientists, there's many scientists who disagree. In academic circles and universities, most scientists are atheists. There's a reason for that, right? Um, I watched a documentary many years ago. Uh, not Bill Nye. Uh, there was another guy. I skipped my brain. But uh, he made a documentary talking about all the theistic, not just Christian, but theistic scientists who had a really hard time keeping their jobs because it was almost a part, like a, a gate of entry that you had to be an atheist in many of these upper academic circles. And so they're going to ask, what is your view on evolution? What is your view on this? What is your view on that? And if you have anything similar to a theistic point of view, you are going to be in the minority and your voice is going to be quiet. So I think that last question that he presented towards Dan Barker is, is really the crux of the issue. If there is no free will, how do you even reason and use your mind to come up with that? Because you can't. You can't choose to think through a process if the whole process is predetermined from the beginning. If you want to know what Dan and how he responded to this, and if you want to hear the full debate, and I encourage you to do that. I, I just really, I thought it'd be interesting to put this out there because you probably never listen to these kind of debates, and y you should. They're, they're good. It's good to hear both sides. It's good to hear the back and forth. It's good to hear when you disagree with your own side, and it's good to hear when you disagree or even agree 
uh, with certain things that atheists might say. I learn a lot from both sides. So we should be, we are in a society where debate does not exist anymore, especially on the political level, but there are places where good, intellectual, very positive, very kind debates happen. If you want to hear the debate in its entirety, you can go to their YouTube channel, which is Unbelievable Question Mark, or you can find that podcast on Apple or Google Play. It's Unbelievable Question Mark with Justin Briley, and I listen to it all the time. It's got great stuff. So I, I hope this was somewhat interesting, and I hope it's um, not mind-opening because this is not mind-opening stuff. This is common sense stuff. You don't punch babies, common sense, and you have free will, common sense, right? So, love you guys. We'll see you in October with several podcasts in one month. I know sometimes we go several months without one, and sometimes we'll have several in a month. I could spread them out and just release one a month, but hey, as soon as I'm done, I want to give it to you. So, talk to you later.